Welcome to the Granite Gals podcast. This is the podcast where we interview female hikers who hike the right mountains. I am Alexander Her. And I am Sage Her. The opinions that we personally express in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our interviewee or of any organizations we may mention. Due to the recent stay-at-home ordinance in New Hampshire, we have decided that we are going to postpone our grid goals and stick to local trails for now. For everyone's safety, we encourage everyone else, especially those who travel from out of state, to stay home as well. Everyone, please stay healthy and enjoy the outdoors while staying close to home. Hello, everyone. Today we're interviewing Megan Hemmer. She is an avid White Mountain adventurer and hikes with her many dogs and cats. She also lives in Maryland. Um, many, if not all of them, have just finished their 40 days. Welcome to Granite Gals. Thank you. When and why did you start hiking, and why do you like to hike? We hiked a little bit when I was a kid, um, but not not a whole lot. Um, so after I moved out, I got a bike because I really couldn't afford a car and ended up doing a couple century rides. And then somebody told me that I needed a car to get places. So I ended up finding a route between D.C. and Pittsburgh and back. And I said, well, I'm going to go ahead and bike that just to prove you guys wrong. So I ended up biking from D.C. to Pittsburgh and back with my little dog in the backpack. And it was like 750 miles round trip. And I did that twice just to prove people wrong that I needed a car to get where I was going. <laughs> And then I finally ended up getting a car like seven or eight years ago. And ever since then, um, I started hiking. So I got the car on a Monday afternoon. And then Thursday morning, I ended up driving to Virginia and hiked a, a mountain down there. And ever since then, I've been hiking and not biking. Like the solitude, the fresh air, the streams, the views, and most importantly, spending time with the, the little ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your favorite 4K and why? I can't decide if I like Musilaki or Eisenhower better. I mean, I really like the views and the bonds and the prezies. Um, but for like a quick day trip, either Musilaki or Eisenhower. What do you like about those two specifically? I like Musilaki because you can see for forever on a good day. Um, and it's, I want to say it's easy, but it's not as challenging as some of the other ones. And Eisenhower, I like the views. Usually, most of the time that I've been to Eisenhower, I've been the only one up there, so that that's always nice. Yeah, I agree. I really like those two peaks as well. Um, what lists or mountains besides the besides the 4Ks have you hiked or are you working on, and what did you enjoy about them specifically? I haven't done a whole lot of other lists other than the 48. I mean, I've hiked in a lot of different states, anywhere between Georgia and Maine and as far west as Missouri with the dogs. I've also done some backpacking in the Desolation Wilderness, the glacier in Yosemite without the dogs. Wow. I think Yosemite for out west is my favorite just because it's so, at least the places that I was backpacking was just so remote and so beautiful. So after the first day, I didn't see a soul. Um, so it was just me in, in the woods, and I really liked that. For day hikes, um, there's a place in Ricketts Glen, Pennsylvania, that has 22 waterfalls. So I would have to say that's my favorite non-northeast day hike um, just because there's just so many waterfalls on like a seven-mile loop. Um, so wow, that sounds really nice. So many different like little picture spots that I can just set them all up and get a lot of good pictures in a, in a short, not too difficult trail. <laughs> cool. Well, that sort of goes into the next question. Um, where have you hiked in addition to the White Mountains and what is your favorite place to hike outside the northeast? I've got like a favorite park in each state on the East Coast. Um, Yosemite by far is my favorite for out west, but that 
snow dogs. Um, so I don't like that part about that because I always like to bring them with me. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, do you have any other favorite places? Um, Mount Mitchell State Park in North Carolina. Um, there's a trail called the Deep Gap Trail that goes off the summit. I forget exactly how long it is, but that's got some really nice views. It's got a little section where there's like a rope you can use to pull yourself up on. And once you get past the first like two miles in, it's usually not very crowded at all, which I definitely like. Yeah, that sounds really fun. So you hike with your dogs and cats. Um, what are their names, breeds, and ages, and how has hiking with them changed their relationship with hiking and with them? So Nanny is a four-year-old Maltese. He's the one that you can always hear before you see him because he's got a very loud mouth. <laughs> Winnie is a three-and-a-half-year-old Toodle Pointer. Kai is a three-year-old Border Collie, and Penny's two-and-a-half-year-old Border Collie. Moose is almost two, and he's a Dutch Shepherd. Beans is a one-and-a-half-year-old Maltese, and then Katie is a one-year-old Border Collie, and Azzy is almost three, and he's a, the kitty. Wow. <laughs> the biggest thing is learning to, to trust them, um, so to be able to send them up a ledge and have them know that it's okay to go up without me and then also that I trust them that they're not going to fall. I'm not going to have to worry about climbing down somewhere that's not safe to pull them up and then also on the way down the ledges that I can go and have them walk behind me and not worry that they're not going to like bump into me and knock us off somewhere that we would get hurt. Um, how do you build that trust with them? Slowly. Um, so every time I get a new one, I kind of start, restart with like an easier mountain. Um, so I usually have the, the two tiny ones attached to me on like a, a hip belt and then the bigger ones attached to each other. So oh, they, wow. they sort of figure out within that group where's okay to go. If it's not okay to go somewhere, the older ones will be like, we're not going up this way. We're going to find a different way. Um, so they sort of figure out from the other ones where it's safe. And then I, I teach them careful, which means you take one step, I take a step, and then you take a step, and then I take a step. Wow. Um, what made you decide to take your cat hiking? I was at a dog show in Indiana, and my roommate had texted me that Azzy was in distress, which turned it up being that he was just sitting by the window crying for hours and hours and hours, which we figured out over the next couple months because I left him and all the dogs left him. Um, so that June I decided that I was very possibly looking at a miserable couple days and that I was going to bring him with us to New Hampshire, even though it's like a 14, 15-hour drive each way, and I was going to see how he liked it. And so I got a little litter box and a bed and set up a little spot in the car, and I was fully expecting him to scream and cry the entire way up, the entire time up there and the entire time back, and he did not make a single peep the entire time. Wow. And so after we did a couple up there, I was like, all right, well, if you're happy coming, then I'll just bring you, because that way, at least if you're not miserable at home, you can enjoy the mountains with us. And he actually found us um, when he was a kitten. I had meant to do Osceola. And I parked at East Osceola instead. And in the parking lot in the corner, there was a, I saw a tiny little kitten under some bushes. And I was like, well, whatever, we're just going to climb up the mountain, even though there was no other cars in the parking lot. And he followed us up all the way up to the top. Um, he kind of stayed off trail like a couple feet to the side. So even though Kai and Winnie were off leash, he kind of, he stayed with us. And at the top, I was going to continue, but then I was like, yeah, I don't think he's going to make it to Osceola. So I turned around and he made it all the way down. He started getting really slow at the bottom, and 
every time we would get out of sight, he would start having this horrible, horrible scream. And so I would wait, and he would dash to within, like, six feet of us, and then we would continue, and he would follow us again. Because he didn't want me to pick him up, except when people with dogs pass. So I was like, if you're not going to let me carry you, <laughs> at least I'll let you walk slow. And because I'm not a cat person, I had a carrier for a nanny in the car, and I stuck him in the carrier and kind of rigged it to my backpack so that we could still do Osceola that day. Wow, that's really cool. Also, um, why and how did you decide to take all your dogs and cat hiking together? Was there a period where you hiked with some of them and not others before you became a group? Can you tell us more about that? Um, Other than Azzy not coming with us when I first got him, not really. Um, It's hard to find a pet sitter to watch a bunch of dogs, and I wasn't going to leave them in a kennel while I went and had fun without them. Right. Um, So it was sort of every time I got one, we would start off really slow, and we would gradually build up to the, the more difficult mountains. When I first got Moose, I did try to leave him home because I only had nine of the 48 left, and I was like, I just need two weekends. And my landlord agreed to watch him, but then I got like 100 miles in, and apparently Moose had given himself a bellyache because he was so stressed out that we had left him. And so I ended up having to turn around and go back. And by the next morning, he was fine, so I ended up taking him back up to New Hampshire that that next day, and we just did like super easy trails because he he was just so upset that we we attempted to leave him. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Um, so your dogs win competitions in obedience, rallying, and tricks. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Usually we show about every other weekend, so we'll drive somewhere and show on Sunday and then either hike Monday or Tuesday. So Nanny, the older Maltese, has his Rally Masters title as well as his Trick Dog Championship, and he's got the most titles of, of all of them. Kai, the older border collie, at a show in New York last fall, he actually was the highest scoring dog of all the dogs in all the classes the entire day, which was really cool. Wow, um, wow. Because he was, he was showing at the novice level, so that was basically the lowest level of competition. But of all the dogs that day, he got the, the best score. And usually only reserved for people that are like full-time trainers and only show dogs and don't do anything else. Um, so I was really proud of him for that. Um, yeah. Well, congrats. Thanks. And then with tricks, I find particularly fun because it's something that we can work at at home, and I can pick what tricks that they want to work on. So it's not like obedience and rally where they have to learn signs, and you basically go into the course, and you know what to expect. But if your dog doesn't like to retrieve, for example, you can't get past a certain level. Um, So with tricks, they have a list of tricks that you can pick, you know, tricks that are best for, for certain dogs. So like Nanny's favorite trick is skateboarding. Pies is backing up. Moose loves to play the piano. Beans loves to jump over anything, no matter what it is. So he actually, I was trying to teach him to play the piano, and he kept jumping over the piano like it was a, a jump. <laughs> oh, that's funny. What 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 is playing the piano involved? What is what is that? It's like a toy wooden piano that's meant for like toddlers. Um, so they have to either use their feet or their nose to make a couple wow. sounds. Um, so that Maltese's jump up and use their feet to kind of play like four or six different keys. And the bigger dogs, when they put their feet up, they ended up putting their feet on the top of the piano. Um, so I taught them to use their noses and use their nose to hit a bunch of keys instead. Wow. That sounds so hard to train a dog to do that. <laughs> well, it was e- easier than, like, skateboarding because um, I could oh. kind of hold the treat up, up to get the Maltesers to put their front feet on. So once I could reward that, they learned that that was what I wanted. When I realized that wasn't working for the bigger dogs, it took me a couple minutes to realize that 
that wasn't going to work for them. But if I put treats, like, on the keys, they would use their nose to hit the keys. And when they hit the keys, I could reward that. And then I realized, oh, I hit my nose with the keys, I get a treat. And uh, how long does it take you to train the dog? Uh, We do it in, like, short sessions, like, five or ten minutes each. Um, Manny's four, and it took me probably three years to get his his championship. Okay. Penny, the younger border collie, got her novice trip title like a year ago and she just got her advance this past month and she's more than halfway through the expert but it the championship might take a while because she doesn't quite retrieve yet um, so it kind of depends on on the dog so some of them penny usually takes longer to teach things than the other ones but now that we're at expert like she's the one that's like oh i can climb that six foot ladder i can push the shopping cart and Kai is like, I don't want to put my feet on a shopping cart and push it. And uh, you don't want me to climb a, a metal ladder. Like, that's just not safe. So even though Kai's done more and we have more of a relationship, Penny's actually figured out more of the expert tricks faster than Kai. Oh, wow. Yeah, that must be really amazing to, like, figure out, you know, each dog's personality and what they're capable of and all of that. Yeah, it's actually really cool because of a trick. If they're really frustrated with a certain trick, I can be like, okay, well, we can, you know, find another trick for you. Yeah. So that way I'm not fighting with them to try to get them to do something that they don't want to do. And that way it's all it's all fun. So this one's more of a uh, hiking-related question. But um, have you ever experienced sexism directed towards you on the trail? Not on the trail. I've had people off the trail tell me that it's not safe to hike alone and then it's not safe to hike and backpack by myself, um, but never actually on the trail. I think the most amusing was after I had biked to Pittsburgh and back twice, my mom told me that that is never safe and that I should never do that. Um, I've already done it twice. I had my little dog with me, and we had absolutely no problems whatsoever. Like, I had checked in with my dad every day that we were out there. Like, I stopped into town every couple days and replenished my food. Like, I wasn't really out of service. Um, but I think the more that I've hiked, the less people worry since they know that we've done so much and they yeah, sort of yeah. trust me more. And they know that I'm okay with turning around. So if there's a spot that I find particularly scary because I'm afraid of heights, I'll turn around. If one of the dogs, which has only happened a handful of times, don't want to do a particular spot, like when he didn't want to jump up on Mount Isolation, um, he got to right above tree line. She was like, nope. So we turned around. So I think the fact that I'm so quick to turn around. People have started to, like, trust more. Yeah, that's definitely um, a good quality to have, you know, being able to turn around and stay safe. Yeah. Tell us about your most memorable animal encounters on the trails. We've had quite a few. Um, In Glacier, I saw a couple bears, including a mama and a grizzly. That was pretty cool, although they were kind of far away. Um, There's a trail in Virginia called the Little Devil Stairs, and it's, like, five or six miles and it kind of goes up two miles up some waterfalls and then it kind of loops around through the woods and that one day there were seven bears like right off the trail and I kept thinking there can't possibly be another bear because I've already seen so many so I didn't turn around because I didn't want to go down the waterfalls and I didn't want to pass all the bears that I kept seeing but they're just like every like half a mile there would be a bear like right off the you know a couple feet off the trail just staring at us wow and so I think that would be one of the more memorable ones, um, when I was hiking in the Smokies, I heard a wild hog, which was kind of scary because they can be pretty dangerous. And then I had, there was uh, two guys with horses that were like, well, our horses don't like backpackers. And I'm like, well, this is a backpacking trail. So I had moved off as far off the trail as I could, but the horses both kind of freaked out and 
one of them nearly slid off the side of the mountain because the trail was so narrow. And the other one ended up freaking out so bad, the guy just ended up letting the horse go, and it just, like, bolted down the trail. Oh, wow. The most memorable in New Hampshire would be on the Osea Trail a couple years ago. I was sitting on a boulder eating my breakfast, and Kai started growling, and I had never heard Kai growl at that point, so I panicked. I turned around, and there was a black bear on all fours staring at us. Oh. So I split the rest of my breakfast and handed half to Winnie and half to Penny so that I could try to be scary without having a mouthful of burrito. And he kept staring us down, and then he started huffing, and I was like, oh, great. Oh, wow. Got ready to charge, so I kind of slipped on my pack real pick, pack real fast. And then I was worried because I was like, they tell you never to take your pack off so that it'll protect your back. But as these carriers on the back of my backpack, and I was like, oh no. So he backed away real slow until he like went around to a bend and he was out of sight. And then I turned around and walked as quickly as I could up that trail. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow, that sounds really scary. Yeah, you had so many encounters with bears. It's, I mean, I've I don't know if I've ever seen a bear on the trail ever. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen moose, but not not bears. Oh, yeah, we've seen a lot of moose. We see we saw a mama and a baby moose on Wildcat Mountain, and that worried me a little bit because somebody had told me like the week before that moose hate dogs, and of course Kai and Nanny were being all tough. They were barking at them like stay stay away stay away, and I was like be quiet. So we kind of backed up when we waited for them to go down like another another trail, and then we we continued up. But those are the only two moose on the trail that we've seen. Do you prefer hiking solo or with a group of people? Definitely solo. Uh, That way I don't have to worry that I'm going too slow. If there's a spot that I find scary, I don't feel pressured to go past it. I don't have to worry that I'm ruining somebody else's hike that they wanted to go further because there's one spot that I just don't want to go past. Um, I don't have to listen to any, are we there yet, sir? My feet hurt. (laughs) Usually the dogs are pulling up ahead and there have been more than a couple of times when we've gotten down to the parking lot at the end where they turned around and started going back up the mountain. Like, we're not done. We're going to keep going. <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah. Um, when you hike solo, you don't have to worry about anyone else but yourself. Yeah. You're set. Well, and, and your dogs, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they, they don't complain. I can keep an eye on them to sort of judge if they're getting tired and then we can take a break, but I don't have to, they don't whine and complain that they're out they're usually like let's keep going let's keep going yeah it's (laughs) awesome yeah it's great uh so what's next do you have any specific hiking related plans for the future i was thinking about doing the grid um i'm not entirely sure how that's going to go because i'm really afraid of heights but i figured i'd throw in at least get as much of that done as i could uh maybe do a couple of 52 with a view just to kind of add some variety and then depending on where the dogs are showing I may end up section hiking most, if not all, of the AT just because we go to dog shows to the south, and I don't want to be at a show in North Carolina and then have to drive north after that. So if I could find something south that I can show Sunday and then hike Monday, Tuesday, that would give us something um, because there's more shows to the south than there are up north. Yeah, we're actually working on the grid. It's um, quite an experience. Well, we were, of course, not anymore. We have to stay local. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, definitely recommend. Oh yeah, so I meant to ask, um, what are some local hikes you're uh, doing during this time? Two weeks ago, I went to a spot that usually isn't too crowded on the AT, just because we had to get out. And 
there was like an overlook like a mile or half mile and, and after that there was only a couple people and I usually pull the dogs off you know at least 10 feet off the trail anyway just because there's a group of them and some people are afraid of dogs but the local parks around me are crowded with people that normally never go out they've all flocked to the, the trails and mm. a lot of them are not staying six feet away and oh, if we yeah. come around a bend most of most of the time, people will give me a minute or two to pull them off. Um, but the last time I went local, one group was not. They didn't push past, but they kind of, like, pushed past without giving me time to, like, get them off and us off the trail away from them oh. to give us a space. Oh, wow. So I haven't done very many local hikes. Yeah, that's that's annoying. I wish, you know, everyone was more conscientious of space right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, six six feet is pretty easy because that's the end of of one of their leashes, and so if I can let the little loudmouth nanny to the end of his leash, then I I know how far six feet is. And yeah. If you're not in that buffer, then then you're safe. But a lot of people aren't aren't respecting the the six feet rule. So now uh, here are some questions, um, unrelated to hiking, which we will ask everyone who's a guest on this podcast. Can you talk about what you do for a living? And I've been working overnight. It's kind of like a nurse for animals and an animal ER for 15 years, which is great because I can work three shifts a week. So every other week I have four days off that I can go play wherever I feel like. Um, and it's night hours, which is good because I'm very much a night owl. And oh, yeah. They all get to come to work with me, so they're with me, so they're happy, and I don't have to worry that I'm gone for too long. And oh, that's great. Wow. Cool. That works out well for all of us. Uh, what's your favorite food? Mushrooms. Oh, really? Yeah. What's your favorite uh, non-hiking-related book? Probably Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh nice. Sort of hiking-ish. But <laughs> well, if you could either fly or be invisible, which one would you choose and why? Be invisible. I'm very afraid of heights. I'm afraid yeah. of falling. Uh, I can't, like, planes scare me. I've never been able to do anything high. I don't get near the edges of anything which is weird because Kai loves heights. So he'll go to the edge oh. of ledges and he'll be he'll look over like the Lion King and be like, this is my kingdom. And I'll be like, Kai, get back. So he won't be putting himself in any danger because he's, he's very short-footed and he's not going past where he needs to go. But he just loves the view. And I'm mortified of heights. I'll be like, no, I can't go anywhere near that edge. Kai, come back. <laughs> yeah, I have. I actually have problems with heights too. Hiking doesn't really bother me though. But it's mainly if I'm... Um, you know, anything suspended in the air definitely is difficult and um like climbing also being on a surface that's not like you know, a solid horizontal mm-hmm. surface. You know what I mean? Um, it really I don't do well with that at all. So I understand where you're coming from there. <laughs> I'd much rather be invisible and kinda of sneak around where where I wanna go and <laughs> Yeah, this one's nice. Dogs or cats? Well, you told us that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As he doesn't really count as a cat, he's more of a more of a dog. So definitely dog. <laughs> uh, chips or popcorn? I'm not really much of a fan of either. I'll eat chips when I'm driving, just as like munchies. But I'm definitely more of a cookie person. Oh yeah, I love cookies. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. Um, cheddar or Swiss cheese? I'm actually vegan, so I haven't eaten cheese in 25 years. Um, oh, I will no. eat. Soy cheese. Um, so I'll put soy cheese occasionally on things and pizza if I can get it, but I haven't eaten normal cheese in many years. Wow, okay. <laughs> Sorry. What what motivated you to become vegan, if you don't mind me asking? 
I read the Animal Rights Handbook when I was 10 and about how they treated the cows, and I woke my mom up from her nap, and I said I wanted to be vegan, and she laughed at me. And we went to the Outback Steakhouse that night, and I had my very last steak, and ever since I have never missed it. Wow. Um, If you had to pick one, summer hiking or winter hiking in the white? And this one is related to hiking. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I would say fall is my favorite hiking season, winter being my second. But I just started winter hiking towards the end of last year. I did a little bit in like Vermont and New York before that, but not not anything too serious until spring technically last year that I started doing more snowshoeing and spikes. And summer's too crowded and the bugs, and there's just too many people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like fall too. What do you like about fall and winter specifically? I like the trees and the peace in the fall and that the water levels usually aren't too crazy high. And it's a good temperature where I can wear a jacket so that I can have everything kind of zipped up in my pocket and I don't have to worry about my phone falling out, which happened the last, a month ago I was on, we did the Carters, and I realized about a half mile down at the end of the trailhead that my phone wasn't in my pocket. Oh, no. So I had to backtrack like a mile. Oh, And luckily it was just upside down in the snow in the middle of the trail, so it was easy to find. And it still worked. But I prefer to have jackets that have zip-up pockets. Um, I just put it in the wrong pocket that day. Yeah, that's the worst feeling when you've, like, lost something on the trail and you're like, oh, no, what do I do now? Yeah, actually, that that same day when he actually managed to wiggle her backpack off uh, in between oh, the middle and south carters, and I debated leaving it because you had to go down the ledge to get it, and I oh. really didn't like that ledge, and I didn't want to go down and have to go back up it, but I had my extra gloves and all my snacks in it, so we had to we had to go down. They, of course, had no problem going up and down the ledge, and they were just racing up and down next to me like it was nothing. Um, But we managed to find the pack in the middle of the trail. It wasn't like she caught it on a tree branch or anything. She just managed to lose it on a flat spot. Wow. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much. Yeah, it was great talking with you today. Thank you. Good to talk to you guys, too. Hope you're doing well with this whole um, coronavirus situation. We're all going a little crazy because they don't have their obedience classes and we can't really get out to get the exercise that that they are used to yeah 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 but hopefully in the next couple months either we'll be okay to go north or we'll figure something out more local that that they can get out and because the the bigger dogs are all working breeds from working lines so they're not really bred to be pets so having them inside all the time is is driving them crazy Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, definitely. Even as you the other day when I went hiking without him, Nanny's got a toy uh, John Deere tractor, and my landlord had come upstairs because he said he heard a lot of noise, and apparently as he had driven the truck into the window. Oh. oh. So it was like a, a toy. It was pretty big. It's like a foot long by like a foot high, and he, he managed to slam it oh, in no. his window because he was mad that, that he stayed home. Oh, that's so sad. Well, um, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, thank right. you. Well, thank uh, you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right, you guys, too. And, uh, yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah, stay safe. All right, too. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The preservation of the environment is important if we want to continue having beautiful mountains to hike. We strongly encourage you to donate to Union of Concerned Scientists, or UCS. It is an amazing organization that does important scientific research to help prevent negative effects of climate change. You can learn more about UCS and donate to their organization at ucsusa.org.